you're turning back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're continuing our little summer series here of just kind of taking a look at some of the, the foundations of our faith and uh, some of the key highlights that uh, we want to make sure that we, we have our arms wrapped around. Today we're, we're looking at church membership and what is it and why or if it is necessary. One of the things that you'll, you'll see today in, in the trends with the, the, the new church and Right away, that should kind of draw concern. You know, I was listening to a a, a, a sermon, and and the the whole idea is as soon as he's talking about the the, the new uh, technique and the new kind of vision and purpose of the church, it, it just dawned on me. It's like, hmm, I, it, you know, Jesus established the church and started the the process of the church. I'm, I'm not so sure we need to make you know, all that many tweaks and changes or be careful with the tweaks and changes you make. Right. And, and that's, that's what I would say is we, we need to be careful. And so right now, like one of the churches, one of the trends is the big mega church and, and some of the downfalls of the big mega church. Well, if you've ever been at one, it's, I mean, it's great to sing uh, songs with, you know, a couple thousand people. It's, it's phenomenal. It's great to have a full orchestra, a full choir, I mean, all those different resources pulled together, worshiping the Lord is, is, is great. But we have to be careful of some of the other things like, well, then you just go to church to be like a spectator to go watch the big show, right? And that's not exactly what, what church is about. Now we're also seeing the telechurch, right? So the big mega church wasn't big enough. Uh, you know, they also now have to, you know, put that on video and so now you can just, you know, stay home or either go to another box where you're kind of just watching, you know, church on, on, on the screen. The, the problem with that in and of itself is, you know, where, where's the connection? When we talk about being a member of the body of Christ, you, you, you got a picture of the body, right? The, the body's here. It's, it's not disjointed. Okay, we, we don't just have like arms over there and legs over there and feet over there and eyes over there and say, hey, we got body parts. No, the, the body's connected. It's together. And so when you look at some of the telechurch situations, it's like, well, where's that connection? Or we kind of take it to the, the other extreme where, you know, you, you better come to church. The, the, the church is holy and the church will save you. Right, we've seen that mistake made. In fact, that's part of the, uh, the Catholic Catechism is is that the church is holy. Um, the church is, is is made up of the, the body of people. So right away we know it's not holy because we're in it. Um, so that that that's a problem. Um, understand the the history of membership. There was a time where. Being identified as a, as a Christian church member was a death sentence. It wasn't something that you took lightly. It was something that most likely would mean you're going to die or be persecuted. Or worse than that, your family be tortured and persecuted. It wasn't, it wasn't just a, a, a game. It, it was serious. 
And so being and identifying with the church was, was, was a great privilege and honor and not, not to be played with. Would you die? Would you die today for your membership? And, and think about that. Because I think your first thought is, well, no, why would I die? I don't need to die. That's a, that's a silly question. But, but I want you to, to as, as we go through and think about what, what all of membership means, and you think, well, w- would it be wor- worth my life to defend the church, to defend the ability to be able to, to gather and meet? Um, we've looked at ordinances, things like baptism and communion, and, and again, sometimes we, we, we turn these things into sacred, um, you know, sacred pillars or sacred cows, right? And it's like, well, then we just turn them into these, you know, religious activities. It's like, hey, I went to church, um, you know, I did communion, I'm good, I'm holy, I'm saved. Again, seeking that, that kind of that purification process. Well, that, that's not what the church is about either. But probably the worst part of what's happened with the church is it's just become this big, giant social network. It's just a club. And please, don't, don't, don't take this the wrong way. We want to have fun, right? I mean, we like each other. We, we should enjoy each other's company. Um, you know, one of my favorite things is you never know what's going to show up in the kitchen on Sunday, right? As everybody, you know, cooks up, whips up something different, and, and it just happens or, organically. But the point and the purpose of church is, is not lunch, right? That, that's not the purpose, and so what's happened is a, is a lot of churches have become just this, this network or community about getting together and just getting as many people together and, and just having fun. It's like, well, but if you, if, if you don't have purpose, then what's the point of getting together? I mean, I can go down to, you know, the Seattle Center and find a bunch of people and, you know, have a gathering, right? That, that doesn't make it church. I was reminded this week of, of water. Do you guys know how scarce water is? Probably not, especially in Washington. Now, you go down to Southern California, and water's like gold, okay? And they'll, they'll have like days where like you can't water your lawn on Wednesdays, right? Or you can only water your, you know, your property at, at night. Or they put gauges on the water, you know, you're limited. Now, keep in mind, you pay for your water, and it's expensive, and you're still limited, but at least you have access. Do you realize that in, 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 in most of the world, they have trouble getting water, just getting water. There's mission agencies that their whole, their, their whole point and purpose is creating hydration like in you know, African uh, states and stuff. It's crazy when you think about it, how scarce and rare water is, especially when you're in Washington and it's like, you know, you just let the hose stay on it's like who cares it's it's probably one of my my faults is coming from california it's like man the idea of having the water on and not worrying about it while you brush your teeth it's great you know it's like hey i've I've got a river i've got a well i can have all the water in the world i want i even get charged for it this is phenomenal but see water is scarce and when you understand how scarce it is then you understand how precious it is. And that's what we've done with the church. We don't realize just how precious 
the church is. And if it were taken away from you, you realize right now there's people in other parts of the world that, that, that have to go underground again because of, of the possibility of, of death. And so the opportunity on Sunday morning to get together with, with, they're not complaining that it's only 20 people. They're thankful that they have somebody else in this community that they can go openly share their faith and belief in Christ with and sing with them. And and how sweet that sound is. And so today we want to look at kind of the essence of of church membership. Um, What is it? And church membership is biblical. Church membership has elements. It has purpose. And church church membership displays love. Well, first of all, I'll look at this term membership. Membership. what is membership? You know, what's a, what's a club membership, right? What's a Costco membership? I mean, you guys realize Costco is a membership? Um, I, I'm always, I always forget, except when the, then that membership bill comes, right? And you're like, oh yeah, I pay, for, I pay for the privilege to go spend my money in their store. It's kind of odd, right? And then everybody else in there has paid for the privilege of of doing that. It's like, well, what an interesting concept. Um, and by the way, talking to some execs at, at, at Costco, almost all their profit margin is in the membership. All that other stuff, all the great pricing is just there to get our memberships. Well, you know, 4 million people times 50 bucks, it adds up. But see, membership has certain ideas. They're, they're limited. Right? Not everybody gets to shop at, at Costco. Uh, they're exclusive. Kind of the same thing. There's rules. When you have a club or a membership, there's club rules. Right? You don't just get to do whatever you want because you're, you're a member of a golf club or a gym. There's rules. There's privileges. There's, there's definitely order. Uh, there's a price. There's a price for membership. There's a price for membership. Our membership came at the price of Jesus Christ dying for your sins. It wasn't free. This, this membership isn't free. We think that we could just walk in and out of the door, show up, not show up, skip churches, you know, hip-hop, whatever we want to do. No big deal. Hey, somebody paid for your membership. And there's benefits. There's, there's real purpose. In 1 Corinthians 12, um, my translation repeatedly says members of the body. 29 times, 29 times in verses 12 through 31 is the phrase or term body or member. You think, you, you think God's trying to tell us something here. One of the arguments nowadays is, well, you don't really see church membership in the New Testament. And, and it's true. You're not going to see, you know, in, in 3 Corinthians 4, 1, here's the outline of, of church membership. No, but what you see throughout the, the New Testament are, are all, the, all the, the, the points and the guidelines and the essence of, of what the body of Christ does when it gets together in membership. And in this verse, we really see uh, 
in, in this, this symbolism of the parts of the limbs, the parts of the body. And so think of membership, and, and when you look up membership in the Greek here, it has that idea of being a, a member, right? And we've, we've probably heard doctors talk about our digits or our body members, right? So don't think in terms of, of like gym membership or Costco membership or even church membership. Think in terms of the body, the body. And again, you would never separate members of the limbs of your body on purpose, right? And so even as the body is one, it's united and yet many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, am I not part of the body? It is not for this reason any the less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, this is like Mike Kaczynski from Monsters Incorporated. If the whole body were the eye, where would the hearing be? And by the way, even in cartoons, the eye body had to have legs and ears and a mouth, right? It doesn't work. Anyway, side note. Um, If the whole were hearing... Where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. I I love the toggle back and forth. The toggle back and forth is, is membership, right? Identity. United. Individual. Membership. One. You, you, you see how it's the idea isn't that you take this and separate. It's, it's always together. Always together. And the eye cannot say to the hand, verse 21, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body would seem seem, appear to be weaker, are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor, and our unseemingly members come to have more abundant seemliness. Whereas our seemingly members have no need of it, but God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked. That there should be no division in the body, and that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now, you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And, and that should be the way that, that we view this. Christ is the head of the church, uh, Ephesians 5, uh, 25. 
And because of that, there shouldn't be any division. There shouldn't be any concept or idea of one's greater. You take Ravensdale, for instance, and you say, hey, what if? What if we had, you know, more people singing? What if we had, you know, uh, somebody's at the piano? What if we had, wouldn't it be better? Isn't it better than just like one person? Of course. It, it's all the different people. Wouldn't, isn't it better if you have more leaders, more people who are, who are devoted to God's word, who are devoted to, to serving the body of Christ and leadership, using their spiritual gifts? To give to the body? Yes. Church is not about oh, any kind of one-man show or one-man party. It's, even if that one guy could do everything, if I sang like an angel, which I don't, but if I did, that still would, would be better if we had other people participating. Coming together. Verse 28, God has appointed to the church First apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles and gifts of healings, administrations, and other kind of various tongues. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healing, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? See, the idea that we're all supposed to be the same is it's ludicrous. Again, it'd be like if we were like that, the cartoon of, of just, you know, where I'm just an eye. That's all I do. I'm just an eye and you're just a foot. Um, no, it doesn't work that way. And that's the picture that 1 Corinthians is trying to give us with the body fully functioning in, in beautiful harmony. Well, a little bit more background, a little bit more background. Um, when we think of the church, when we think of the modern day church, how, how do we get here? How do we get to a point where we come together, we meet, we're in a building? How, how do, why church order? Well, remember, it all started back with, with altars, right? Where there would be an altar. What would, what would happen? People would gather around the altar. Um, it would be a place of, of worship, uh, a place of prayer, a place of sacrifice, right? So you'd make a, a sacrifice offering on the altar, the purification of sin, um, whether it was an altar, whether it was a tabernacle, a temple, a sanctuary, that's what always took place. The, the, the primary focus was that purification of sin. Why? Because sin was happening on a daily basis. You needed blood payment for it. And so we, we needed to make sacrifices continuously before Jesus. But there were some nuances. And you know what? One of the things that's, that's very important for us to understand is and the Old Testament does a great job of, of the seriousness of these gatherings, right? Uh, I go back to Leviticus 10.1 where, where, you know, because of strange fire, priests are killed. But what's the takeaway from that? Hey, meeting in, in God's presence to worship is a serious thing. It's not a joke. It's not a game. And again, I want, I want to be careful. It doesn't mean that we all have to come in here all gloomy and depressed. And No, we should be happy and rejoicing because we have the purification of sin. But um, this isn't a place to be silly. Um, it's a place to be serious. It's a place to worship the Lord God Almighty. Um, 
God is a serious God. And we, and we see surrounding his, his temple and his tabernacle that there are rules, there are, there are ways to do things, ways not to do things. It, not just anybody can walk in to the temple and make, make sacrificial offering, right? That was only for the high priest, only for the Levitical priesthood. And so we see that there was just an altar. And then we saw that there that the tents, right, started formulating what would be, you know, God's house and, and the tabernacle where God would come and dwell amongst the people in the center of the nation of Israel. And then that those tent meeting became a, a real beautiful temple. You know, Solomon builds this beautiful temple. Again, this is God's house. This is the holy of holies. Not, not a gematorium, right? This is a serious place. Then Israel gets taken captive and they start separating Israel. And, and now Israel is in places like Babylon and, and there's no temple. And so they start forming this place called the synagogue where they would have a, a, a place where they, where, where they would meet. And, and, and maybe you'd have somebody you know, rip down the scroll and, and read from, from God's word. Again, you have to understand how people so desired to come together to worship, to learn about God, that, that they invented a whole, a whole new building or a whole new meeting called synagogue. You don't see anywhere in the Old Testament that lays out, this is what you're supposed to do in synagogue. They just create it because they have a desire to gather together and worship. And then that's what Jesus comes into. When, when Jesus comes, he's going into synagogues and, and, and preaching. Well, from synagogue, you see, again, you see the example of Jesus. And you know what? Jesus will go on a hillside, right? When, when Jesus is preaching, we're, we're in church. We're, 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 and, and Jesus had his 12 apostles and they had his, his, his group of about, you know, 50 to 100 people, the, the disciples. And, the, you know, these are like the members of Jesus's following. In, in the book of Acts, it was, you know, they didn't have any other term, but they did just called it the way. Right. They're a part of the way. And then early church, we, we see in Acts, you know, that the, the churches would gather and come together in houses. And they would just meet in a house as they, they didn't have buildings. They met in, in, in catacombs. Again, scarce water, right? They, they, they didn't have the access that we have today. So they would meet wherever they could meet together. And so the, the essence of the church and the essence of church membership, uh, it has a history, it has a flow, and it's, it's grown and, and morphed and changed from Judaism and the sacrificial system to the, the New Testament and more about a place where, where you pray, you, you, uh, you, you fellowship, you worship, and you do the one another. So the essence of church membership then begins with, it, it's biblical. We see it here in 1 Corinthians 12 and the symbolism of, of the body. We see it in Romans 12, 5, the same thing. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 17 also repeats that. The church is not, has never been the building. So what, what I love about, again, we, we go back to the tabernacle. You know, God didn't need Solomon's temple. He could just pitch up a tent anywhere, right? 
He didn't even need that. He could just have an, an altar made out of rocks. Uh, God didn't need big fancy stuff. Um, it's, it's, it's about people, not the brick and mortar. Uh, it's about the body. The body. The body of people. The church is clearly identified throughout the New Testament. Almost every book either begins or ends with, you know, to the saints of, you know, Ephesus. Ephesians 1.1. 1, 1. Galatians 1.2. 1, 1, Galatia was a district of an area. So it's, this book is written to the churches in Galatia. So again, the churches have already been planted. They were started by Paul on his missionary journeys, and they called them churches. In Romans 16.1, we see, greet these people in the churches. So again, it's not about just like a sterile church. It's, there's, there's people who go to these churches. There's, there's specific cities that the churches are named after. And we see Paul when he's writing to the Romans, he's like, oh, how I so earnestly desire to come to you sooner. To, to come to not the building, but, but to come to the people. We see that uh, in the essence of church membership, well, there's First Timothy 3, there's, there's officers, there's overseers. There, there's leadership w- w- within the church. Uh, we see in Acts six one, there's there were elections. The concept of 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 shepherding, as being a shepherd, the whole concept of of shepherding then is there's got to be a flock, right? What does Jesus tell us about the flock? That that he knows them by name, that he knows all all the names. And so people ask me all the time, well, how big do you think a church should be? And I say, well, seems like you should know everybody by name. If you don't know everybody by name, then it's too big. So if you're real smart, then, you know, you can have a, a church of 300. If you're like me, then you got to have a church of 30. So that's, that's, that's my fault, guys. Sorry. Um, but the concept in a shepherding, it's, it, it's, it's, it's having a flock that, that then follows its leader and they know him by name. Uh, Hebrews 13, 17 talks about submitting to leadership. God, God has always had a gathering of his people and he had leaders. He had Moses, he had Joshua, right? He had Ezra, different people. We see within the essence of church membership, uh, the concept of, of church discipline and restoration. In Matthew 18, we see a, a whole process of somebody sins. What are you supposed to do? Well, you, you go to them one-on-one in private, Okay, somebody has offended you or sinned against you, it's not for everybody to know. You go handle that in private. Then if, if, if you don't see repentance, then you know what? You bring somebody else. One other person, you bring them, they know about it, you, you identify that way. If they still don't repent, then, then now we, we bring it to church leadership. There, there's a process. And the whole process, again, in Matthew 18, isn't to get people out of the church, it's to restore them, to get them to a place of repentance and forgiveness. Um, Matthew 18, one of my favorite passages, actually, because, because of the order. But when you finish and you read on, when you read after, like, okay, here's the three steps. Then you start getting into, well, how many times do we forgive somebody? Mm-hmm. Right? And then that's when you get to, well, the 70 times 7. You're like, you know, I don't have enough toes to count that. 
And, and, and then you get on to the illustration after that, which then has that, that servant who owed a bunch of money and then is forgiven of the money, right? And then a huge amount of money. And then he goes and he's owed money and he you know, wants to throttle the guy for not owing the debt. And the picture in that is, if you don't forgive, then I won't forgive you. And so the whole context then of Matthew 18 is a restoration context, not a church discipline one. Although that could be part of, of the restoration process. Um, we again see that the, the church has a lot of synonyms throughout the, the, the New Testament. And these are, these are intimate. These, don't, these aren't like sterile and, and you know, just kind of uh, religious rigidity statements. Look at some of these words. So, you know, some synonyms for the church, you know, Christians, disciples. If you've ever been in a discipleship situation, you know how intimate that is, how personal that is. Uh, brother and sister. I, I used to love, you know, I'm, Faithful Central, you know, every, everybody was brother. Hey, brother, you know, brother and sister. Um, saints, believers. Remember, the church is by definition believers. We'll get back to that. The elect. God has elected you. God has chosen you. God has adopted you as adopted sons and daughters, which makes us all related to one another as adoptees, right? It's a beautiful picture. Um, we're sheep, we're the brethren, we're the sanctified. And so we see these, these synonyms or, or we see these pictures. The, the bride of Christ is one of the terms. The congregation, the meeting. And so how would the practical application then of, of leadership and discipleship and and lists, and how would it work if there really wasn't an intention for church membership? There was always an intention, and in fact, the, the assumption, the, the presupposition <laughs> as a believer is that you belong to a group like this, that you belong to, to a body, right? That the, the arm isn't just flipping you know, back and forth in the, in the corner over there. Nowadays, it's a real easy concept to, to grasp because I could sit at home and I could put my YouTube on and I can go on the internet and put my earphones on. I can listen to 50 sermons, you know, a, a day. I can watch guys, listen guys, and have no direct contact with any humanity at all. No accountability, no fellowship, no using of my gifts. And in that sense, I mean, you're, you're in the spirit in a realm, right? But it's not the same as is the membership. It's not the same. Well, the second essence of church membership then has to do with uh, some of the elements or, 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 or the purposes. Uh, what are the purposes? Again, we, we see this here in, in 1 Corinthians 12. All of a sudden you start seeing, well, there's, uh, in verse 28, there, there's apostles, there, there's roles, right? There's prophets. What does a prophet do? What, what, is, what does a teacher do? What about the miracles? What about the gifts of healing? What about administrations, right? And so there's membership then has these, these elements, these specific elements. Um, 
not now metaphorically eye, ear, nose, hand. Now we actually get into some specific uh, gifts. The cool thing here is that God has uniquely gifted you. So you think you're just good at something. And God has actually uniquely gifted you. Why? To just hoard that and keep it to yourself and, you know, go make a million dollars writing books or something? No. He gave you this gift to then share it with the church, to share it with the, with the body. And so you may be the one who's got the gift. You know, you're, you're, you're the singer. Be the singer. This guy's, you know, the major donor. Be the giver. This guy's the teacher. Be the t- teacher. This one does the books. Be the books, right? All these different elements come together in this, this great harmony, in this great purpose. So again, we see in Ephesians 5.23, Christ is the head. Okay, he's the head. You're not the head. Christ the head. Which is important because again, we, we rally and we unite around Christ. Not me, not a denomination, not a building. We, we all rally around Christ and we rally around God's word. And, and that's what gives us that fixed position of, okay, well, we're not guessing here. When we got together as a council and we're like, okay, what's the vision, the purpose of the church? We didn't just go around the table and say, well, what do you think, Jim? Well, I, you know what? I like fishing. So, you know, if we could incorporate fishing into church, that'd be fantastic. No, we go to God's word. What does God's word say? And you know what that did for us? Part of the process of accountability is, hey, the, the Bible's very clear uh, about some functions that the church body is supposed to do. One of those is, you know, widow, orphan, poor. What are you doing about that? Are you doing anything about that? The Bible's very clear. Look, you're supposed to evangelize and minister, not just, just to your church here locally, but there's a bigger community. There's, there's a county. There's a state. There's a, there's a United States. There's a world. There's the outer remotest parts of, of the land. We're supposed to care about all of that. Okay, so accountability. What are you doing about that? Well, see, God's word teaches us and tells us that we come together, keep each other accountable to it so that we know what our point and purpose is. So we don't lose track because you know what we're going to want to do? We really like the eating part, so let's expand the eating part, lessen the teaching part. Um, we really like the fellowship part, so before you know it, you know we're the Kiwanis Club, right? We, we come here with purposes. We observe ordinances. Why? So that we remember, so that we don't ever forget. We don't ever want to forget the sacrifice that was made for us. We, we have things like baptism. Why? We're rejuvenated with baptisms. As, uncom- as uncomfortable as they might be for people and they don't want to speak and talk and all that, but we're encouraged by it. We're rejuvenated by it. It brings life to the body to see others and, and you know, come to the Lord and, and give their testimony. I already mentioned, and, and there's, you know, Romans talks about it as well, but we are to come together to share our spiritual gifts, to share them. And there's no gift that's better than another. There's no gift that's better than a, another. Uh, one of the biggest misnomers is that, is that you know, like the preacher is is the more, most important element. It's, it's just the most, most um, 
uh, visible. And, and this passage in particular makes that very, very clear. There is none that's more important. None. Again, which is why then the preacher is accountable, not only to the body of Christ, but to the elders and, and, and deacons and, and everybody else, and accountable to God's word again. <clears throat> we see church warnings throughout the New Testament. Almost every uh, epistle that's written gives warnings. Uh, imagine being a believer and you're out there on your own and you're not aware of like all the bad stuff that's going on out there, right? It, it, it's one of the more difficult things for me is, you know, I'm not here to name names. I'm not here to point fingers at different churches. And so usually if I talk about that, I'll, I'll be generic because the, the specific name isn't the issue. Because this issue keeps coming up over and over and over again. It's not the guy. It's not the church. It's, it's that issue. And the issue when you, when you don't really uh, care about God's word, when you really are ashamed of the Bible, then you tend not to use it as much. You tend to come up with all these excuses of, of why the Bible isn't relevant anymore. It doesn't have its context. And, and people just don't want to listen to the Bible. So we have to think and invent new ways to do church, to teach the Bible. And, and, it's, and then you go and you're like, this, this is... This is like, you know, joining a, 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 a sports club, right? And it's like, you know, I'm, a, I'm as you guys heard on my phone, you know, I'm a USC Trojan football fan, right? <laughs> you know what you don't do? You don't invite UCLA Bruin fans into your club. There's a specific reason why we come and meet here. And one of those reasons is to hate those guys. <laughs> so the, the, they're not allowed in the club. That doesn't make any sense. But if you don't have any guidelines, if you don't have any rules, if you don't even know the point and the purpose why you're here, well, then you forget. You know, I mean, they, they, they have songs, and, and in their traditional songs, they banter against the foe. Because that's part of the point and the purpose. Is, is, you know, I'm a, I'm, I grew up, you know, really very close to Dodger Stadium. I hate the Dodgers. So you know what? boy, it really made a whole lot of sense to love the Giants because the Giants hate the Dodgers. So it's like, by default, I'm a Giants fan because I hate the Dodgers. Sometimes we rally around that, right? The, the, the point is that we have to be careful with all the false teaching that's going on out there, the, the counterfeits. The book of Revelation you know, gives us a whole litany, a, a list of this church, this church, this church, and this church. And these are the bad things going on with this church. 1 Corinthians 12, you know, talks about how, how, you know, you were all pagans have gone astray. So these pagans are the ones that are infiltrating the church. Last week we talked about 2 Timothy 4.3, about how people come together and they just want their ears tickled, right? Well, how do we know how church is supposed to be done if, if we don't have any any guidelines or purpose or, or elements to it. And so the members, the membership keeps the purity. The membership keeps driving back to what are the bylaws? What are the bylaws? And then the bylaws should be pointing back to God's word, right? That's, that's the, 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 the structure. So again, it's not about the leadership. 
The leadership is only keeping everybody accountable ultimately then to what God's word lays out. And so when we look at, at, as the council, we go, hey, what about membership? Is, is there a biblical support for, for membership or should we all just come together? And it's like, well, you know what? When we look at 1 Corinthians 12, it sure does seem 29 times that God's making a point out of the members being united. And then we'll expand from there. Okay, so then we have members and they're united. What do they do? And we say, oh, here's some roles here in 1 Corinthians 12. Here's some more roles in Romans 12 that talk about different spiritual gifts. Then we're going to see about one another's and, and the whole thing just expands from there. So the church is not a social club. It's a place of worship. Re- remember again, going back to the altars. It, it was a bloodbath. Do you, do you think you joked around when you were going to temple and you had your family and, you know, and 18-year-old, 14-year-old, you know, all the way down to a 4-year-old and, you know, you're walking up and, you know, you're scooting up and you got your lamb, right, that you raised and your little daughter is in love with the lamb and has named the thing. And, and where are you getting ready to go to? And all of a sudden now you can see around, it's like, I mean, all you see everywhere is just blood. Can the, 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 the joking stops, right? Well, Dad, what, what's taking place here? Son, we, we, we've sinned. Every member of this family has been in sin. We need to have a purification of sin. God says that there needs to be a blood atoning sacrifice, that we need to present a perfect spotless lamb on the altar to pay the price for our sins. But I, but, but, but I, lo- I love my lamb. Yeah, but your sin is going to cost that lamb its life. And that lamb's blood is the payment for your sin. You don't think it graphically becomes real, real fast? They understood the seriousness of the church gathering. And now here we are coming in and we want to, re- we want to wash all that out. We want, to, we want to sterilize it. We want to make it just all about, about you know, the fun stuff. So, so Easter Sunday at church becomes about bouncy houses and egg hunts at church. Hey, what you do in your backyard is, you know, that, that's, you're American, you want to do some bunny rabbit things, fine. But, but at church, this is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, the final essence of church membership is this is the place where we display love. Where we display love. Because you know what? We are sinners. We are lawbreakers. We are sheep prone to wander, prone to bite. And so love is the key. John 13, 34 through 35, uh, we are called to love one another. We're called to love another. We're called to follow the pattern of Jesus Christ. He did not come to, to destroy. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That should be our, our goal too. Romans 14 talks about the pursuing of peace. We come to pursue peace. Um, We come to edify. Ephesians 4 talks about the edification of the saints. Uh, That's that's what we do. That's the one another's. The the whole concept of if you are in sin and I come to you as a loving, kind brother, as Galatians 6.1 says, in kindness. We love to point out the whatever the sin thing is. You did this. Okay, focus on the in kindness. Because it doesn't matter what they did. 
if your if your approach to that is is inappropriate, and if you don't do it in loving kindness, if you don't try to have the mentality, um, you know, when my kids do stuff, and it's hard because you're you're personally offended. One. Number two, you see a path and a road that they're heading down that, that scares you, that frightens you. you. You have great concern, right? And the things that I would like to do, especially if they're male and you feel like you can be a little more physical and rough, um, I'm reminded, what would Jesus do? What does God do? What does God do with me? It's gracious. It's merciful. It's, it's loving. God does discipline those he loves, but he is not there just in an in a anger rage. And so then that becomes the way I need to understand how I discipline, how I confront, and how I edify. Why? 2 Corinthians 5.18 this is a ministry of reconciliation. Christianity is about reconciliation. It's, a, it's about redemption. It's about restoration. If you guys have ever, you know, seen, you know, extreme home makeover, right? Or, you know, change your chopper or whatever show they're called. It, that's the cool part, right? Taking this wretch, this sinful wretch, this piece of junk, and turning it into something that's shiny and beautiful, that's what, that's what God's business is. So that's what our business should be as, as church members. And that's what we're reminded of. And, and, and if and when we see one another that, and we're, we're off track or in sin, we, we do that because we love you. We do that because we're with you, right? We do that because we identify you. We do that because as a, as a member of the body of Christ, you hurt, I hurt, Right? Well, again, the only way you have that identity is if you're with people you know. If you're doing this through the TV screen, if you're doing it in a group of, of 5,000 people and you don't even know anybody, um, it's, it's not possible to apply the scriptures then when you're not in a group where you actually know people by name. And that's something that we have to work on, yes, even here. As small as the group is, that should be our greatest strength. Our greatest strength should be we know each other so well. We love on each other so well. We lift each other up so much, bear one another's burden so much that, that quite literally, if one hurt, then this whole church would hurt. If one was in distress, then this whole church would come together in distress. And so these are things that, that we want to work on. So when we talk about church membership, we're not talking about a list. We're not talking about a list. We're not talking about a ledger book. We're not talking about a signed piece of paper. We're talking about being fully committed to, to the people in this room. And we'll talk more about what, what that looks like in, in the next few weeks. But, 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 it, but it's about the one another's. And it's about practically doing the things that the scriptures call us to do. Uh, Acts 2. And I know today's a little bit different. Normally we're just kind of anchored in one, one, uh, <clears throat> one passage. But 
this is our goal, you guys. In Acts chapter 2, 42. <clears throat> and they were continually, that means always, over and over and over again, right? We're on a carousel, it just keeps going round and round. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone keep feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who believed were together and had all things in common, and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and the breaking of bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Those who were being saved. We want to be a place that because this is happening, because this, this teaching and this fellowship and breaking of bread is happening, that others would be saved. Let's pray. You've brought us together. And so these are the body parts that we have to work with. And so, Lord, this is the beautiful body that you've given us, the people of Ravensdale Bible Church. And we're so thankful. And now, Lord, we just desire uh, to fulfill that mandate. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. We may be dismissed.